Let's Talk Therapy with Leanne Lynch and Megan Clinton. We are so happy to have you here with us. In our podcast, we talk about mothering and life and the healing gifts both bring. This podcast is about using the tools of therapy to lead an authentic life. Welcome, I'm Megan Clinton. And I'm Leanne Lynch. Welcome back to our podcast. Hmm. We wanted to talk to you today about repression mechanism. Oh, I can't speak. Repression mechanisms, or in aware parenting, we talk about them as control patterns. And I know sometimes, and I know you do as well, Leanne, at times talk about them as protection mechanisms. Yes, and I love repression mechanisms or, yeah, protective mechanisms. This is how I see it because sometimes repression feels a bit, in my body, feels a bit like I'm bad. So, but protective mechanisms that there, and there's a purpose, there's a reason, there's, um, they are for our own good um, and in a way protecting us, which is the name for protective mechanisms. So let's dive a little bit deeper, Megan. You know, I think when I first started with the aware parenting and with um, with my kids, especially, I remember thinking and judging my, the repression mechanism as something that I wasn't doing or that they had feelings and they I needed to do more. And I suppose that this again came from a place of anxiety or wanting to get it right or wanting to be perfect. And, you know, I suppose when you start something new, it is that just learning and diving in deep anyway to something and getting a grasp until I was able to really feel what, what um, to really understand, I suppose, my own protective mechanisms and the purpose for them and, and that, they're, that they're not a bad thing. Sometimes they can be a wonderful um, sign or signal that maybe we are invited, like an invitation to, to look at something, to see what something is underneath and other times it can be, you know, if some some of the feelings that I'm feeling that is too big, I know that I'm actually consciously reaching out. But in those moments, the feelings are way too big. And I, and I really need the support of my protective mechanisms to until until I work through until my body actually works through the feelings. And then I'm able to have a look at my protective mechanisms and 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 look at what's underneath. Yeah, I love that. I love um, being able to see them, being able to see the benefit of them. You know, when I think of the paradoxical theory of change, it's, you know, when we disown parts of ourselves, when we try to get rid of them, those parts normally get stronger because our body won't allow us to kill off part of ourselves. It's so it's in the loving and the understanding our protection mechanisms that they actually get to integrate and to transform and as you so beautifully say it is they they came about as a way of enabling us to survive so when there wasn't enough connection available for us to be able to express our emotions in the way we needed to when we were younger we learned ways of holding that emotion in you know either from our parent doing something to us or from watching our parent do something to themselves when they had big emotions or if we're really kind of left alone it's something we did to ourselves 
um, in order to hold those emotions in. And as you say, we kind of bring them into the moment. They come into the moment when we have a similar experience to that which we had when we were little or a baby or a toddler or young child. And, and then in that bringing it into the present moment, we get that opportunity to kind of hold it and to listen. And as you so beautifully said, that kind of sign of it's saying something's there, there's something big happening when we reach for a chocolate or suddenly need to move our body or there's suddenly this urge to do something that doesn't have, doesn't relate to a specific need. It's coming as a result of actually helping to hold down. Yes, and, and again, it's like anything can be a repression mechanism. And there you mentioned chocolate and <laughs> chocolate was one of mine as well until my body started to say no to chocolate. So then I had a choice. Yeah, it, mm. I, it was causing inflammation and irritation. So then I had a choice. I could really look at my relationship with chocolate or I could, you know, replace it with something else <laughs> <laughs> until, until my body says no again. But it is that relationship with it, isn't it? You know, for me, a protective mechanism is anything. It can be absolutely anything. And it's our relationship with that. So it could be movement, distraction, chaos, mm. drama, alcohol, sex, relationships, exercise, like even, even something that we deem healthy, like water and drinking, um, you know, screens. And it's, it's that, it's for me, it is the energy behind why I'm choosing to do what I'm doing rather than it, be the object of the protective mechanism. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I love that. I love, and I love that the more we kind of deepen our awareness around our processes of whatever it is, and as you say, it can be so many, it can be a plethora of different things. And it's as we're kind of bringing more awareness to what we're doing, I always think about the antidote of a you know, repression mechanism is connection. So as we're able to bring in a little bit of connection into those moments, when we start to do whatever it is, whether it's drinking water, and often repression mechanisms go unnoticed so much in today's world, because some of the things that we use to um, repress our emotions have been strongly valued, like you know, a good work ethic. So somebody who's working excessively or, you know, someone who's very healthy and needs to do excessive amount of exercise, then, you know, we don't notice those as much as we do with if somebody's taking drugs or alcohol as much. Whereas when you look at society overall, there are a lot of repression mechanisms and some are just sort of deemed societally to be more acceptable than others. Oh, I love that, Megan. Yes, it is that because some of them are so subtle and ingrained in, in this acceptable behavior or what, what is deemed acceptable um, in, in societal terms, but it is not with, in line with who we actually are. It actually takes away from our authentic self. And on my journey, um, I have found, you know, some of the feelings are quite painful and, you know, I can understand why we actually have these things. You know, from my journey, it's it's been focusing on others, helping others. This, um, you know, we've labeled it codependency. But some of sometimes that codependency was actually um, vital for the survival of my family. 
Only what's happened is, you know, um, health wise and, you know, our access to food, our access to education and um, that that is actually become just more destructive than helpful. Um, so some of the repression mechanisms are there for a reason. They're there for survival of the family as well, of society. But they, there comes a point where they're actually more destructive and they inhibit us and they potentially stop us from reaching our full potential. Mm, yeah, and no, I so resonate with that. And I think particularly when we're younger, they are absolutely critical if there's no contact there when we needed to express something and no capacity there or possibly even shame and guilt for you know getting angry or having a tantrum or something and then we learn to hold these emotions in and we kind of we lose connection as you were talking about with authenticity we lose connection with that part of ourselves we kind of almost valuing one part and not the other and we use that repression mechanism to kind of deaden that one part of ourselves and in that moment when we are in contact with um, when we reach for the chocolate when we reach for a glass of water when it's not in response to an actual connected need when it's as a requirement of a repression mechanism, when we bring contact to ourselves and love and connection, and maybe initially for me, when I think about it, it's almost like just really tasting that chocolate or feeling the water go down through your throat. Sorry. <laughs> so, yes, in those moments where we reach for that um, protection mechanism, repression mechanism, like chocolate or water. It's like really bringing in some connection. So bringing, it's more than just awareness of our process. It's kind of really heightening our senses around, you know, just tasting the chocolate, feeling whether it's sweet or bitter, um, the texture, the roughness, the smoothness with the water, noticing it coming down our throat. And I think it's in those moments when we bring connection, we offer an opportunity to actually connect with what's underneath those repression mechanisms. When we start to go back and almost connect back to that child part of us that was holding something in and what's hurting. And I think we're connecting in that moment and also in the past as well. We connect to both when we can bring that connection in at those times yes it's connecting to the body isn't it connecting to the body mm. and really being present and really um bringing that body the body senses to what it is and you know there are times when i do that and there are times when i know that i'm eating chocolate and i and i i always know because I, I i eat i eat really quickly and I could eat four or five and then I've just actually made myself sick. And then I feel shame and disgust in myself because mm. I've made myself sick. But in that, what I've really done is the pain, the original pain, in order to avoid that original pain, I've distracted myself with more pain. So the pain of what of the disgust or the shame or the guilt or whatever it is that I've done to myself by eating lots of chocolate is obviously more comfortable for me than the original pain of why I am escaping from that pain in the first place. And this is what, what I have found, that um, 
that when I run for pain, I nearly run into pain. But there's one part of that pain that's actually much more comfortable or there's a safety or a comfort in that. Because if I actually were to bring awareness and really heal the original pain, there's a a fear around that because there's movement, because I've got to, I move, I change, I start to walk my own path, I start to become me, who I am. And in that movement, for me anyway, I had a huge fear about that because in becoming more me, I'm moving away from, from familiarity. I'm moving away from uh, society in a way, from, from a, a majority, and I'm walking my own path. And the fear that nobody has walked this path before because it's mine and, and the unknown and all of that sort of stuff that goes with that. So for me, there is um, an understanding and compassion with that, you know, that if I do... Um, the original pain is accompanied with a huge amount of fear, you know, and the fear um, of that brings me to a sort of safety in, in what I've done to myself, this kind of just sabotage or this destructive behavior in a way. So there is so much understanding or, you know, repression mechanisms are amazing. I, I think here we are, like there's so much stuff in it. <laughs> But it doesn't go away. You know, you talked that you mentioned there and when you were speaking that that um, that the body will not reject itself because but these feelings do not go away. And it is in moving to those points of pain where we actually it's facing them where we walk to paradise. And I remember reading that somewhere. It is in is walking towards the pain that you reach the paradise. And it's only that. So in running from it, what I do is I run from pain to pain, but I stay in this very, um, this cycle, this pain cycle, but actually facing the original one, that's where that leads me to freedom. Mm. Oh, that's so beautiful. And I love the way you talk about it because it just gives you an idea of the complexity around repression mechanisms. There's so much there. Um, and yes, and as you say, there are benefits and the benefits in terms of when it's overwhelming and you can't actually manage it, they enable you to kind of still continue to function. And also that when you talk about, it, I just loved it when you say, you know, sometimes we just are inflicting more pain because when we don't have a, any awareness of when we're eating and we just keep doing it, when we don't know when we've had too much or too, and then we just compound what's already there and yet there is there's so much familiarity because we've been doing it since we were a child that you just keep doing it because the the familiarity (laughs) is is easier than doing something different because it's normally these kind of repression mechanisms are passed down through lineages and as you say when we start to suddenly step off in a different direction, it's uncharted territory. It's kind of, there's a lot of fear. There's potentially, will we still be accepted if we start to do something differently? Because when we heal, we do, we kind of open up a completely new possibility of doing something in a, in a completely different way. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Actually, I love what you're saying there because it is generational, it is ancestral. And we talked the last day, um, you know, 
I think you mentioned that that like a wildfire that, you know, just one person, it takes a stop and Mm. to process the feelings and to begin to heal and you're healing for your lineage. But the feelings, even in changing those repression mechanisms or looking at your protective mechanisms, it's not only yours feelings that you're feeling. It is it is the lineage. It is ancestral. It is the passions that are passed down through the generations, which makes it more intense and more exaggerated, I suppose, the feelings, because they're not just yours that you're feeling. Mm, yeah, no, that, it's so true, because I know in my experience, and sometimes you're like, I can't see anything in my, my own history that kind of indicates the level um that I feel and for me that is it's just such an indicator that it is something that's been passed down again and again and it's kind of the more people it's passed down through the more kind of each individual gets to hold more and more and more until it finally gets to be released and listened to and sometimes the grief and the shame I know somebody was talking to me recently and going you know what I need to do to heal And in my experience, so much is just grieving. It's being able to really connect in with the loss that's being experienced, the loss of connection to ourselves, the loss of connection to others, and what that has meant to our family systems and to our lineages. Yes, and and the loss of receiving that connection as well, the loss of being seen. And, you know, with grief, you know, there's, um, for me, denial is a huge protective mechanism in grief and you know while we're talking about grief and denial the um the real benefit I think for denial because if you were to really accept the truth of something it would actually be too big so it is our body's way of protecting us and once we begin the journey our body allows us to really open up and to feel what it is that we're actually ready for, what it is that we're able for little by little, step by step. So in this healing journey, it is a lifetime journey, isn't it? Like, um, I suppose that's how I feel because it, because it's so, what you're doing is healing generations and ancestral patterns that every little bit you do, your body lets in a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. Um, until it begins to dissolve or, or lessen, or as you say, release. Mm. And it is, we're kind of titrating it in a way that's manageable. So if you kind of just open the floodgates, it's just overwhelming and our yeah. system can't really survive something. But when you just titrate it with a little bit of connection each time, mm-hmm. it kind of lets a little bit out that's kind of manageable. And it's so often, you know, we develop these protection processes when we were younger and they served us really well. And then as adults, often we might find that they don't actually serve us so well, that we actually are losing connection with other people around us. We are losing connection with ourselves. And it's a then when we get the opportunity to, to look at, you know, how we would like to process it, how we would like to hold it, what we can manage holding and what we can't. And often, in my experience, that first kind of holding is often in connection with another person. So that safety can be maintained by the other person while we get to process. And then over time, we get to internalize that own kind of safety and we get to do it for ourselves. 
Yeah, yeah, I know, Megan. I love that safety because, you know, safety is so important. And it's only through safety that I have found those feelings to come up to surface. And, you know, it's the safety. It's been in connection with another person who my body feels. And this is a body for me. It's a body knowing. So I may not consciously know, but my body knows that I feel safe and that it is safe to release some of these feelings for me. And and it is that for me too, it was that relationship. It was that, that therapy when I started therapy when I was 25, 26, that um, I began to internalize that actually this was all okay. Everything that I felt, everything that I said was okay. It was okay to say these things. It wasn't um, bad or I wasn't uh, <laughs> sensitive or um, it wasn't, uh, you know, because I was minimizing it and all these things. And it just allowed me the freedom to speak and to, to, to feel and to say everything that I wanted to say and to, to unravel these, like an onion, these depths of who I actually was to find out, letting go of who I thought I was or who I thought I should be to who I actually am. Because in those, what I was carrying was absorbing the, the trauma of my family as well. And um, where am I going with this? Yeah, so it wasn't even only mine. When I first started therapy, it wasn't only mine. It was this, it was so much other stuff. And I had to really continue and I'm still on this journey to to discover and connect really with who I am and not who um as a separate person separate from my family I'm not mm. sure why why where I'm going with that but it must link to your oppression mechanisms yeah it's interesting as I check in my throat's becoming quite <clears throat> and it's almost like I was just thinking it's like yeah, something's tickling in my throat. It's like almost something gets to be said from our lineage um, when we heal our repression mechanism, something that was unaccepted, unspoken, untalked about gets to be voiced um, when yes. we heal. We were talking about safety. <laughs> we were mm -hmm. talking about safety and connection. And it is that. It, it was with somebody outside of the family because there is something around being in a family that is accepted as normal and and that we don't actually question sometimes until there comes a point until you start start you know talking about it and saying stuff out loud and um, because there is that family I know here in Ireland anyway we've got the, the very close families there's a lot of family secrets that and blood is thicker than water we have this and and all of these kind of sayings that kind of keep us together in our family but sometimes the family system is not always the healthy system and it was just from from talking from beginning to open up and I could feel it I can feel in my body even when I'm talking about this how freeing it was how such a release it was not to hold or carry all of this any and um, myself or anymore and it is a lovely, you know, when you talk about the, the freedom that you feel, it is, although it's, it's hard to face the pain and to hold it and to process it, ironically, it, it opens the doors to freedom. It is so much easier actually sitting with the pain than it is repressing it. And it's just, as you were saying in the beginning, it's that familiarity that keeps us holding it down. And actually the freedom is in the kind of being present with and the healing and the listening. 
Yeah, the relief that comes with that, the relief that comes with feeling the pain. Yeah, I really resonate with that, that even though it's painful and what happens to me is the pain of the original trauma is actually becomes um, more comfortable than actually the repression mechanism. And that's where we want to move to. That, that the repression mechanism no longer serves a purpose or no longer fits or feels good. That actually I prefer to sit with the fear, to sit with the pain, to sit with the grief, because in that I feel so much better. I feel so much relief. And then I don't want to then go back to that. And that's where, where the healing is, is setting ourselves free. It is. And just... I think the more we do it, the more we realize actually it feels better at the other end. So at the other side of feeling the feelings and gives more confidence. Um, I know we're probably coming to an end. I know I could probably talk about, we could both talk about this for <laughs> um, hours and hours. And I'm wondering whether we want to finish now or yeah, it's been lovely chatting to you as always. And yes, goodbye everybody. And yeah, we'll see you or hear each other next week. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having this conversation, um, Megan. I love talking with you. We can really dive in there and really get to the nitty gritty parts of these things. And uh, thank you so much. And we'll talk to we we'll talk to you all soon. Bye. <laughs>